Greetings, this is Jeff Riddle. I'm the pastor of Christ Reformed Baptist Church in Louisa, Virginia. And this is an audio reading of the prefatory material to the King James Version. I previously read the epistle dedicatory, and now we're going to commence reading the translators to the readers. And I'm reading from this as it is printed in my copy of the Bible, which is the KJV Turquoise Reference Edition that's published by Cambridge University Press. And the translators to the reader is found on pages Roman numeral 5 to page Roman numeral 18. And in this edition, there's a little uh, note uh, describing the translator to the reader that reads as follows. This preface was written by the translators of the authorized version and appeared in full in the original 1611 printing. It was omitted for reasons of space as smaller sized Bibles were produced in later years and is rarely to be found in modern editions. The text of this preface is taken from F.H. Scrivener's 1873 Cambridge Paragraph Bible. That ends the note. And also in this printing, there are some uh, 15 uh, headings, centered headings, uh, dividing the translators to the reader into 15 sections. And this appears actually to be taken from the original where these uh, notes or headings are found in the margins. So let's begin with the first of these 15 sections of this preface that is known as the Translators to the Reader. And the first section is titled, The Best Things Have Been Calumniated. Zeal to promote the common good, whether it be by devising anything ourselves or revising that which hath been labored by others, deserveth certainly much respect and esteem, but yet findeth but cold entertainment in the world. It is welcome with suspicion instead of love, and with emulation instead of thanks. And if there be any hole left for cavil to enter, and cavil, if it do not find an hole, will make one, it is sure to be misconstrued and in danger to be condemned. This will easily be granted by as many as no story or have any experience. For there, for was there ever anything projected that savored any way of newness or renewing, but the same endured many a storm of gainsaying or opposition. A man would think that civility, wholesome laws, learning and eloquence, synods and church maintenance, that we speak of no more things of this kind, should be as safe as a sanctuary and out of shot, as they say, that no man would lift up the heel, no, nor dog move his tongue against the motioners of them. For by the first we are distinguished from brute beasts, led with sensuality. By the second we are bridled and restrained from outrageous behavior, and from doing of injury, whether by fraud or by violence. By the third, we are enabled to inform and reform others by the light and feeling that we have attained unto ourselves. Briefly, by the fourth, being brought together 
through a parl face to face. We sooner compose our differences than by writings which are endless. And lastly, that the church be sufficiently provided for is so agreeable to good reason and conscience that those mothers are holden to be less cruel that kill their children as soon as they are born than those nursing fathers and mothers, wheresoever they be, that withdraw from them who hang upon their breasts and upon whose breasts again themselves do hang to receive the spiritual and sincere milk of the word, livelihood and support fit for their estates. Thus it is apparent that these things which we speak of are of most necessary use, and therefore that none, either without absurdity, can speak against them, or without note of wickedness, can spurn against them. Yet for all that, the learned know that certain worthy men have been brought to untimely death for none other fault but for seeking to reduce their countrymen to good order and discipline, and that in some commonweals it was made a capital crime once to motion the making of a new law for the abrogating of an old, though the same were most pernicious, and that certain which would be counted pillars of the state and patterns of virtue and prudence could not be brought for a long time to give way to good letters and refined speech, but bear themselves as averse from them, as from rocks or boxes of poison. And fourthly, that he was no babe, but a great clerk that gave forth and in writing to remain to posterity in passion peradventure. And yet he gave forth that he had not seen any prophet to come by any synod or meeting of the clergy, but rather the contrary. And lastly, against church maintenance and allowance, in such short as the ambassadors and messenger the great king of kings should be furnished, it is not unknown what a fiction or fable, so it is esteemed. And for no better by the reporter himself, though superstitious, was devised, namely, that at such time as the professors and teachers of Christianity in the Church of Rome, then a true church, were liberally endowed, a voice forsooth was heard from heaven saying, Now is poison poured down into the church, etc. Thus, not only as oft as we speak, as one saith, but also as oft as we do anything of note or consequence, we subject ourselves to everyone's censure. And happy is he that is least tossed upon tongues. For utterly to escape the snatch of them, it is impossible. If any man conceit that this is the lot and portion of the meaner sort only, and that princes are privileged by their high estate, he is deceived. As the sword devoureth as well one as, as another, as it is in Samuel. Nay, as the great commander charged his soldiers in a certain battle to strike at no part of the enemy but at the face, and as the king of Syria commanded the chief captains to fight neither with small nor great, save only against the king of Israel, so it is too true that envy striketh most spitefully at the fairest and at the chiefest. David was a worthy prince, 
and no man to be compared to him for his first deeds. And yet, for as worthy an act as ever he did, even for bringing back the ark of God in solemnity, he was scorned and scoffed at by his own wife. Solomon was greater than David, though not in virtue, yet in power. And by his power and wisdom, he built a temple to the Lord, such a one as was the glory of the land of Israel and the wonder of the whole world. But was that his magnificence liked of by all? We doubt of it. Otherwise, why do they lay it in his son's dish and call unto him for easing of the burden? Make, say they, the grievous servitude of thy father and his sore yoke lighter. Be like he had charged them with some levies and troubled them with some carriages. Hereupon they raise up a tragedy and wish in their heart the temple had never been built. So hard a thing it is to please all, even when we please God best and do seek to approve ourselves to everyone's conscience. Here ends part one of the preface.